we welcome you to the Truth Simply Put, our broadcast and teaching series at the Basilea Commission. You're about to receive God's unadulterated word, brought to you by Pastor Alexander Victor, challenging, uplifting, and provoking you to new dimensions in your kingdom walk. And now, today's message. So last week we started talking about that particular swap about Jesus bearing our rejection. Right? And we took time to go through the different things that could cause rejection. And that's, that's after I said that it's probably the, the most potent sickness that somebody could go through. The feeling of being rejected. And when, when I taught on this, even though in a different dimension, uh, two years ago, two and a half years ago, something like that, I, I mentioned something that is very crucial. I want to mention that again. Do not confuse rejection with refusal. Do not interpret a refusal to mean Rejection. There is nothing out of place in somebody saying, I'm afraid I can't. Because you will burn out if you don't understand that that is also a healthy response. I told somebody every time, okay, the Lord called me to do ministry. So I I have a hard time refusing invitations. I said, you will have an easy time dying. (laughs) I have a hard time. I feel like it's God that called me to do ministry, right? It's God that led me to do this. Why will I say no when I can't do something? I feel like it's part of the prayer. I say, you have an easy time dying. Because Paul said that we got up to go, to breathe near, or whatever that place is called. He said, we, we got up to go there, but the Spirit of God forbade us. And then they moved on to go to the next place. But the Spirit of God will not let us until they got the Macedonian call. And you're thinking the Lord said, go and preach the gospel. And the same Lord that said, go and preach the gospel forbade you from preaching it. Same God forbade you. Say, don't preach. And so sometimes somebody will tell you no. And then you, you explode. And you feel rejected. The reason why we're teaching you this is so that you can take your stand and life will test it. Life will test it. You were fine until you heard a message on healing. You're fine. You were good until you heard the message on sacrifice and giving. You were doing all right until you heard Afrontes. Eyes on the prize, distraction of frivolity, distraction of realities, distraction of, 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 of principle, distraction of purpose, distraction of opinion. Like, wow, okay, what am I doing? I will test it. And that's all we have, what the word of God says. So we can't be depressed because the word of God says we can't be depressed. It's, it's, that's all it is. So you come and then you tell the sister, you're convinced the Lord showed you. And then the sister says, no. 
and you leave church for six months. You hate sisters. They are evil. They don't used to hear the voice of God. Somebody says no to you at a job interview and you doubt your salvation. If God is real, why did he let this happen? Because he is real. So you can know that nobody else but God can let this happen. The devil is too small. The devil is too small. Way too small. Way too small. So don't confuse a dark time for the rejection. Do you understand? Treat a refusal for what it is and don't let it redetermine or redefine your position. Don't. Somebody broke your heart. Somebody used you and dumped you. Count it all joy. Oh, leave this Bible thing. There's nothing else. Count it all joy. The same people will come. He said, they they shall look upon him who they scorned. It was said of Jesus. The same people are the same one. That's why why it's only in the presence of your enemies that he sets a table before you. So your enemies cannot die. God can feed your enemies well. So they can broadcast what he's doing in the land of the living when your time comes. Honestly. Divert it. Feed them nicely. Keep them fresh. You are suffering. Your face is scruffy. And you see your enemy shining. Eat chicken and use the fat and rub their face. Oh, my mates have all married. My mates have all built houses. You have no mates. You have no mates. Everybody's graduated. They are serving. They are wearing khaki. They, they let them go. That's fine. You're coming. And when you come, you don't need the natural indices of the world to realize that you're doing all right. You know, right? You're, you're running the race against yourself, not against anybody else. So don't confuse refusal to mean rejection. But somebody said, No, ah, I'm not good enough. They said, No. That's not what it is. Jesus was called a Samaritan, he didn't become one. Hmm? He was called a demon, he didn't become one. He was called Lord of the Flies, Beelzebub. He didn't become one. He was called a madman. Jesus. He didn't become one. He was called a blasphemer. A false prophet. He didn't become one. So my father taught me. Same man, Daddy P. Many years ago he said, listen to me son. Man's opinion is not God's conclusion about you. I was 19 when he said that. He never left me. Man's opinion is not God's... There's a difference between an opinion and a conclusion. Man's opinion... Because men will generally treat you according to how they see you. How they regard you. And that's their problem. They're not the ultimate. I don't have to become what you said I am just because you said I am that thing. I don't have to be. 
I don't have to be dumb because you said I'm dumb. I don't have to have a low IQ because you said I have a low IQ. Is anybody hearing what I'm saying? Yeah. So we looked at all the things that caused rejection last week. And I ended last week by saying that we'll look today at how Jesus became all those things. Jesus suffered rejection in his life. In his life. John chapter 1. You see that very interesting text. Beautiful text. Starts from verse 1. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him. Without him was nothing made. That was made in him was life. And that life was the light of men. The light shines in darkness. And the darkness comprehended it not. Keep going. There was a man sent from God. His name was John. Who bore witness of that light. He himself was not that light. But he came to bear witness of the light. That was the true light. Which gives light to every man coming into the world. He was in the world. And the world was made through him. And the world did not know him. See verse 11. Do you know how that feels? NLT. So he wasn't just refused. He was outrightly rejected by his own. You'd, you'd think that if nobody else believed that he was the son of God, his people would. I mean, no matter how bad you are, generally in your own place, you should be, be alright. The point is, even the most evil people have an oasis among their people. That's the point. That's the point. Then come to Jesus. The only sinless man that ever lived. Never hurt anybody. And as John begins to write of him, John's first account of him is that his very own rejected him. Don't, now, don't you think that Jesus had the power to mitigate rejection? In other words, don't you think that Jesus had the power to just go... And everybody will sing his praise. And celebrate him. Imagine that people on a Sunday spread out their clothes, their Hollandis. When Hollandis was Hollandis. If you're old enough, George, when George was George. Them days when lace was lace. And they spread all those things out. Palm fronds and everything. Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Crucify him. Here's an arm robber. This is the worst guy that's ever lived among you guys. Set him free. This guy never did anything to you. What shall I do with him? Pilate was stunned. Even his ungodly wife knew that there was something about this guy that was different. She dreamt a dream and told Pilate, don't touch him. Wash your hands of his blood. Pilate only had him flogged and was determined to set him free. That was a Roman general. Same, scarcely how fickle-minded we are. Four days. 
took somebody's donkey, he didn't know who he was. And the owner of the donkey only knew where the donkey went when he saw Jesus on it. Because it wasn't like they stole the donkey from Uyo to come and do triumphant entry in Calabar. Yeah? You find a cold tired, never been used. Bring it. So it wasn't like we stole a car here to go and pose somewhere else. Therefore, the owner of the ass saw the missing ass carrying Jesus. And he went, oh yeah, it's Jesus that took it. Oh, no problem. The ass is all yours. And on Thursday, he and his whole household kill him. It wasn't just your sin he was doing that for. It was taking your rejection upon himself. So you can't stand there and say, you don't know what I'm going through. Jesus, Paul, Paul says in Hebrews, for we have a high priest who is touched with the feelings of our infirmities. He's gone through it. Jesus, you don't know what, oh, because, you didn't, because John didn't write that Jesus was tempted by women. You think he wasn't? If he wasn't, scripture would be lying when he says he was tempted in every way. If he was tempted in every way, why wasn't he recorded? Have you seen John 21? That these are just the little things that were written that you might believe. Because if everything about Jesus was written, I tell you that all the world cannot have enough space to contain the books that will be written. It's in your Bible in John 21. But this little were written so that you might believe. So not everything that happened in his life was written. Go and check Luke in the account of the, of the temptation of Jesus. Them three. Oh, Jesus was tempted three times. Says who? Says, and after these things, Satan left him but for a moment. In other words, Satan never left him for long enough. But three were written. Three were written. And he went through this for me. Now, if he can take my sicknesses by being battered for my healing and I believe that because he took my sickness I now have his healing and then I show you that he took your rejection you can't feel rejected because he made sure he left none he took it all Matthew 13 Matthew 13 can we say, because Jesus endured my rejection, I now have his acceptance. Because he swapped it. Matthew 13, 53 to 58. Now it came to pass, when Jesus had finished these parables, that he departed from there. When he had come where? NLT, please. He returned to Nazareth, his hometown. When he taught there in the synagogue, everyone was amazed and said, where does he get this wisdom and power? Stay there to do miracles. So you see, the problem of his hometown people was not that Jesus had not performed. They knew that he had wisdom. They knew he had power. And they knew that by that power, he performed Miracles. Okay, next verse. Then they scoffed. He's just a carpenter's son, and we know Mary, his brother. 
his, his mother, his brothers, James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas. And his sisters live, all his sisters live right here among us. Where did he learn these things? And they were deeply offended and refused to believe him. Then Jesus told them, a prophet is honored everywhere except in his own hometown among his own family, 58. And so, he did only a few miracles there because of their unbelief. Now, now, they saw that he had wisdom, they saw that he had power, they saw that he worked miracles, and then they scoffed, and then they got offended at him. And you wonder, why would he be so deep? You shouldn't have even allowed him to work the miracles that he did. Should I no 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 leave our paralysis? I want to stay paralyzed. Yeah, carpenter's son, don't touch me. Don't hear me. Should be offended. What do you want to leave my face? Leave me. What do you want? I want to make you see. No. Anybody can hear me, not you. Is your blindness? So when they ask me who healed you, I will now say it's the carpenter's son that healed me. No, God forbid. I'd rather stay blind. And sometimes we are like that. They got offended at him. They were, they were so deeply, deeply offended. As though he personally did something wrong to them. What was his wrong? He came back to his hometown to, to work miracles. In the wisdom and the power of God. His own people rejected him. It gets worse, unfortunately. John 6. That out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, every truth be established. John 6 and for context we will go from for context we will go from 53 right through to 66. Jesus again said, I tell you the truth unless you eat the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood, you cannot have eternal life within you. But anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and I will raise that person on the last day. For my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. Anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in him. I live because of the living father who sent me. In the same way anyone who feeds on me will live because of me. And the true bread that came down from heaven, anyone who eats this bread will not die as your ancestors did even though they ate the manna, but will live forever. He said these things while he was teaching in the synagogue in Capernaum. And Capernaum was where he settled. Yeah, that's where he settled. That's where he had a house before he left and started to do his ministry. Now see verse 60, many of his disciples said, this is very hard to understand. How can anyone accept it? Jesus was aware that his disciples were complaining. Who was complaining? Who was complaining? So he said to them, does this offend you? Then what will you think if you see the Son of Man ascend to heaven again? You'd be pissed, right? <laughs> the Spirit alone gives eternal life. Human effort accomplishes nothing. And the very words I've spoken to you, they are spirit and the life. But some of you do not believe me. For Jesus knew from the beginning which ones didn't believe. And he knew who would betray him. Or else he can't be omniscient. He knew from when? He knew from before Genesis 1-1. 
So I explained to them with me in the studio yesterday that the predestination of God is not that he chose some to be saved. He just knew the ones that will accept what Christ would do. That's election. It's not that God bypassed anybody or God determines you will not ever get into eternal life. But in his omniscience, he knew, he knows those that will believe and accept and those that won't. Just like he knew which tree they would eat. And he played into their rebellion. Because he's omniscient. There's nothing he doesn't know. There's nothing he isn't the knowledge of. For he knew from the beginning. Oh, from the beginning. Uh, Which ones didn't believe and he knew who would betray him? Then he said. Jesus had disciples, Caleb, that didn't believe Disciples, not church members. Not mixed multitude. So forgive me if I'm not excited by everybody around. Jesus had disciples. Disciples, they left everything to follow a man they did not believe. Not like you that just come on a Tuesday. They left everything. When he said foxes have holes, birds have nests, the son of man had no place to lay his head, they were with him. And they believed not. Then he said, this is why I said that people can't come to me unless the father gives them to me. See verse 66, very sad. Deserted him. Not some of his disciples, not a few. Many turned away and deserted him. Now can you imagine pouring your life out for the people that turn around and leave you? I can. I can tell you the story. 67. And Jesus turned to the 12 and asked, are you also going to leave? Thank God for that guy, Philip. Simon Peter replied, Lord. So they saw past the facade, they saw past the, the euphoria, they saw past five loaves of bread and two fish, a chapter earlier, chapter five. They saw past all of that. They saw past crossing the sea um, of, of the Lake of Galilee into the other side. They saw past all of that. They saw past him walking on water and Peter himself walking on water. More like walking on the word, come, not on water. There was a word that he walked on that caused him to walk on water. Water had to align to his obedience to the word of Jesus that said, come. Yeah, does that make sense? And, and, and at this point, Peter was past that. And he said, you have the words of eternal life. And that established his value system and the others with him. Including the one that stayed faithful long enough to betray him. Yes. In seven chapters later. We believe and we know. Go back, go back. We believe and we know you are the Holy One of God. See Jesus' response. And he just said, I chose the 12 of you, but one among the ones I chose of you who believe I'm the son of God and have the one of you is a devil. He was speaking of Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, one of the 12 who would later 
They left him. They rejected me. Paul says, Demas has forsaken me. May God not do back to him what he has done to me. You don't know the pain of rejection because you shouldn't know the pain. In Jesus' death, he faced rejection. Isaiah 53 in verse 3. We bring this home. Man. Start from verse 2. Thank you. My servant grew up in the Lord's presence like a tender green shoot, like a root in dry ground. There was nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance and nothing to attract us to him. Verse 3. He was despised and rejected. A man of sorrows, acquainted with deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. He was despised and he was rejected. Keep going to verse 4. And yet it was our weaknesses he carried. Somebody say our weaknesses. So, So here's what it means therefore that every time Jesus look up, look up, look up, look up. If you're writing, stop. Every time Jesus qualified for rejection it was your weaknesses that they saw that caused them to reject him. Because Jesus in himself by himself could not have possibly been the object of this pice and rejection. But the same way, you think when God turned his face away from Jesus, it was Jesus he turned his face away from? It was the sin of the world, right? Essentially you and I. Because the same Jesus in John 11 at the grave of Lazarus says, Father, I thank you because you hear me always. I don't need to pray now, but just so that these ones might hear and believe. So Jesus had such a constant connection with the Father that he did not need to pray to say, Lazarus, come forth. There was nothing in the ministry of Jesus that qualified him for the scorn and despise he suffered. Go and check it. Nothing. Nothing. Jesus did nothing but show compassion. There was nothing Jesus ever did to warrant him being messed up. Nothing. It was full of compassion. But at every turn, at every twist, at every junction, all he met was rejection. Every crusade he went, there was rejection. Every time he spoke, he was attacked. Every time he told them the mind of the father, they came for him. And even in his death, Matthew 27, 45 to 50. Matthew 27. At noon, darkness fell across the whole land until three o'clock. Three o'clock is the sixth, the ninth hour. Six o'clock is the first hour by the Jewish calendar. Twelve is the sixth. Three o'clock is the ninth hour. I'm sure King James actually says the ninth hour. Yeah? About three o'clock. Switch, uh, switch, yeah, okay. Yeah, that's fine. Now from the sixth hour, right? So we, yeah? So you know that now. There was darkness all over the land until the ninth hour. 
And then for the sixth or the ninth hour, I'll switch back to NLT, just so people know that. It's about three o'clock, Jesus called out with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, Lama Sabachthani. Which is to say, King James says, My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? That's another strong word. Go back to 46 in the King James. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? So it wasn't like God wasn't hearing him. God didn't mind him. 47. Some of the bystanders, look at this, misunderstood and thought he was calling for the prophet Elijah. One of them ran and filled a sponge with sour wine, holding it up to him on the reed stick so he could drink. But the rest said, wait, let's see whether Elijah comes to save him. Then Jesus shouted out again and he gave up his spirit. Mark 15, 27 to 32. Two revolutionaries were crucified with him, one on the right and one on his left too. The people passing by shouted abuse, shaking their heads in mockery. Ha! Look at you now! They yelled at him. He said they were going to destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days. And Well then, save yourself and come down from the cross. The leading priests and teachers of the religious law also mocked Jesus. This is from every corner, even in death. He saved others, they scoffed. But he can't save himself. Let this Messiah, this King of Israel, come down from the cross so we can see it and believe him. Even the men who were crucified with Jesus, usually killed him. And God himself rejected Jesus. Why? I said last week that he died from the rejection of the father. Psalm 69, 20 and 21 makes that clear. Died from the rejection of the father. I explained last week about the whole crucifixion not being able to kill as quickly as it did. They came to break his legs because it was a preparation of the Passover and they found out that of a heavy heart, of a heavy heart, Jesus was dead. He died our rejection. You see, Jesus didn't die surrounded by people who celebrated him as a martyr. He didn't die with people who were convinced he was dying on their behalf. Even somebody on another cross insulted him. So he wasn't even good enough to be on a cross. Another person suffering a similar fate. Has anybody ever thought about it? It's one thing for people out there to throw stones at you. It's another thing for somebody in your same shoes to insult you. What are you even doing here? Leave us to die our, our death. That's why the other guy will say, at least we're dying a death we deserve. But this man did nothing wrong. He was public knowledge that he was sinless. That was the only thing that qualified him to be the lamb. 
was absolutely sinless. Absolutely sinless. Did nothing wrong. Didn't hurt anybody. Even paid his taxes. For himself and for his disciples. Didn't attack Rome. Which pissed off the Jews because they thought he would. And on the cross, the chief priests mock him, the soldiers mock him, the people mock him. The people testified that he saved others. It wasn't that you say you can save others. Some of the people he saved. And he died of a broken heart. Not of a broken bone. Because not a bone in his body was broken. That it might be fulfilled what was written. That he was a perfect lamb. Not a bone in his body was broken. And he died our rejection to earn our acceptance. You see, he didn't die for our acceptance, as it were. He died the rejection that we had was put together on him and killed and as a consequence of that we accepted so the father had to ensure we don't we don't that's why paul said to them that i pray you would come into the knowledge of the fullness of god's love the height the breadth the depth of it we don't know how much god loves us we don't can you imagine how much God will love you that he would take one person and met out his entire wrath on that one person and, and call it even with everybody else, born, unborn, past, present, future, for all time. For all time. And this one person he chose wasn't just one, any person. It was him. Yes. Himself in bodily form. And not only is it himself in bodily form, God is now enjoying messing up God for man. So can you understand what David came into when he actually asked, what is man? Man? Man. All this for man and the son of man that thou visitest him. What, what is all? What is your obsession with man? As evil as they are, as messed up as they are, as rebellious as they are, what is man that thou art mindful of him? And Isaiah fifty-three will tell us that it pleased God to bruise him. So God was jubilating when Jesus called him Eli, Eli, Lama, Sabatani, and God said, "I can't hear you. I can't hear you because you think that God was in mourning. No, no, no. It pleased God. God was jubilating. He was like, I can't hear you. I can't hear you. And if I keep my ears away from you long enough, just in a few days' time, there will be six billion of." you I can hear 
If I can ignore you long enough. Stay there Jesus. Stay there. Hang in. Hang in. Hang in. I, I need to reject you for a bit. I need to reject you for a bit. If, I, if, I, if, I, if, we, if we can do this long. Just three more days. Son, three more days if, if you can ignore my ignoring of you. That's why for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. If you can endure, I need to ignore you and I need you to ignore the fact that I am ignoring you. I need you to deal with the fact that I am rejecting you because the sons are being born. Yes. In, in, in my rejection of you, Mass acceptance is taking place. Acceptance on a level the world had never witnessed before. Nor will it ever witness again. And Paul would then come in Ephesians 1. I think in verse 6. Start from verse 5. I'm done. I'm done. God decided in advance to adopt us to his family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do and it gave him great pleasure. It gave him great pleasure. He spared not his own. Do you, know what, do you understand what he means in Romans? He spared not his own son. Everything that could ever ostracize man from God, God made sure Jesus took it. He made sure. He made sure Jesus took it and enjoyed because he was one of two things. God would have had a Either I've had to enjoy doing it to Jesus or enjoy doing it to Pav. Yes. Because it's the justice of God. So he laid it all on Jesus. And the Lord has laid upon him the iniquities of us all. And therefore it pleased God to bruise him. Jesus saw no mercy from the Father. So now we have mercy. Who have not obtained mercy? First Peter 2, 24, I think, or 23. Put it up quickly. We'll come back here. First Peter, I think it's First Peter 2. First Peter 2, but verse uh, 10. So verse 9, you are a chosen generation, rare priesthood, holy nation, calls over the priesthood, who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who, is, who were not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Because Jesus got no mercy. Jesus got justice. He got justice. But in, but in getting the justice, he obtained mercy. So now you deserve justice, but you get mercy. Because he was sinless and deserved mercy, but he got justice. What a swap. What a swap, What a swap. So he pleased God to bruise him. God took pleasure in it. Ephesians 1 5. 
See what that led us to in verse 6. Ephesians 1, 6. 1, 5 again, and then we're going to verse 6. Having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ, according to the good pleasure of his will, verse 6, to the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the beloved. So listen, it doesn't matter what man thinks of me, I am accepted. And if God says I am accepted, not just by a declaration, but by a legal binding act, it's one thing for God to just say, you know what, I accept you. It's another thing for God to put himself in a position where he cannot reject you. Do you understand what I'm saying? So God has lost the ability to consider me rejected. So I cannot lose anyone the Father has given him. So it's not just a reckoning of you as accepting. It is a legal transaction. God made sure that whatever can jeopardize your acceptance, Jesus, you better take it, take it now. Because once it's done, all I see is an accepted people. All I see is an accepted son. All I see is an accepted church. All I see is an accepted woman. An accepted wife. Newsflash! I'm accepted. I'm accepted. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us. That, That we, we, do you understand John's, John's sentiment when he says, now then, are we the sons of God? Sometimes I wish you could put yourself into the shoes of the guys that were writing those revelations in scripture. If you just put yourself into, you know sometimes you just say there's therefore now, no condemnation. Do you understand where it's coming from? For somebody who was condemned and realizing he's no longer condemned to declare there's now no condemnation. You have to understand what condemnation is first to appreciate the statement that there's no condemnation. So most times we don't engage with scripture because we don't get into what the scripture was trying to say. When it screams for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set us free from the law of sin and death. This was a man that was saying what the good I find that I want to do, I, I cannot do. And the evil I, I, I do not want to do, I find myself doing. I, I, there's a law, a war at work in my members. But thank God for his indescribable gift. If you don't go through Paul's journey, you know what I appreciate when he says, therefore, having been justified by faith, we now have peace with God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. You have to understand the premise behind what he's saying. So when he screams and says now, we have been accepted into the Lord. Why? Because Jesus was bruised in verse 5 to the pleasure of God. So God will bruise Jesus and reject him and then bruise you and reject you. But he was rejected for my acceptance. So I have perpetual, eternal acceptance. And therefore it doesn't matter what anybody does or says. Rejection is not fixed by trying to measure up to people. 
is fixed by understanding that Jesus stepped up for you. It's not fixed by trying to measure up. Because you'll never measure up enough. I talked about this last week. You'll never, ever, ever measure up enough. You'll never be good enough for somebody. At the time you're good enough for somebody, you have gone away from somebody else. And even the person to whom you were good enough for today wakes up tomorrow and thinks you're too fat. Or you're invisible. Preferences change. Human beings are so fickle-minded. So you can't afford to live your life through the eyes of another person. You can't. It's too expensive. Because what they see continues to change. How they see you continues to change. What they expect of you continues to change. It takes all of us seeing ourselves as accepted and therefore treating one another as accepted. We accept it. Relationships will change. Once you know we accept it. Marriage will change. We accept it. When sons realize they are dealing with sons on the same level, some nonsense will stop. Some heartbreaks will be unheard of. Some talking at people like there's no empathy, no compassion, no feeling. All of that will stop because you realize you're talking with someone who has the same level of forgiveness, the same level of sonship, the same level of inheritance, the same level of acceptance. Father, judge all my enemies. Somebody's praying it about you. If God answered your prayer to destroy your enemies, you should be dead. Because, oh, but I've never done anything wrong to anybody. God knows my heart. How about Jesus? And they killed him. God knows I'm not, it's my heart now. It's not God that judges the heart. If, 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 if you say that thing, honestly, be careful. What's God that, to God who knows my heart, it's not about that. It's about what the cross did. Leave your heart out of it. Because if this God were to judge your heart, he says the word of God is quick and powerful, dividing asunder soul and spirit, two things that are almost the same. Judging the thoughts and intents of the heart. So God is interested in not just what, in your, not just in what you say, but in how you think. And thinking evil is enough to get you killed. Yes. Oh, but God, I didn't, but you know I didn't say it, so he didn't hear it. David said, before a word is on my lips, you know it. Psalm 139. Before a word is on my lips, you know it. That's what the Lord did. We accepted. So somebody comes and tries to make you feel rejected. Show it in their face that I'm accepted in the beloved. It doesn't matter what you think of me. Oh, I think Pav speaks too fast. Duh. I think he speaks too slow. That's your problem. I think his belly is too round. That's your problem. His belly ain't round enough. That's your problem. He has an accent. That's your problem. He doesn't have an accent. That's your problem. I think he's really cool. That's your problem. I think he's not cool enough. That's your problem. I am accepted. Deal with it. 
And somebody makes you feel like you're not good enough. You're not girlfriend material. You're not wife material. You're not business material. You're not employment material. You're not entrepreneurship material. You're not husband material. You're not... Who, who manufactures the material? Is it you? Because he says, I thank you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And I'm sorry, guys, but that is good enough for me. You will get home and a rejection test is waiting for you. You get to work tomorrow and somebody will plant a doubt in your heart. And that is the opportunity for you to stand up and enforce and appropriate your acceptance in the beloved. It's either that or you are not a son of God. That's the cure for rejection. It's not a medicine you take for depression. You're on depression pills. How does that make any form of sense? Something's messed up in your spirit and you're taking drugs. I'm accepted. Don't doubt yourself. Don't. I told you last week it would sound like motivational speech and it is. Don't doubt yourself. You're a juggernaut paid for. Fully paid for. In the realm of the spirit, you are a general. Stop, stop calling pastors God's generals. All of us are generals. He's a general in God's I army. Mean, and you're what, captain? Sergeant. Because Jesus took my rejection. Because Jesus took my rejection. Because Jesus took my rejection. I now have his acceptance. Shout out a praise to him tonight. This concludes this message. Thank you for listening and we hope it has been a blessing to you. For inquiries and further information, please send us an email to info at the or visit our social media platforms.